When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times Radio. I am Kenneth Arthur. With me every week right after the game for the Instant Reaction Podcast is Blaine the Fiasco Didasco, uh, and he's bringing it hot like Tabasco. And so today we are talking about, speaking of spicy, the Rams were fiery and fuego on way to a 38-11 to victory over the Giants that wasn't even that close it did seem that it could be that close when the rams trailed three to nothing after the first quarter but then it was 31 to nothing over the next two quarters really it was just 28 to nothing in the second quarter which the rams had been one of the worst second quarter teams in the nfl statistically speaking and today the biggest second quarter of the year the biggest of any quarter of the year for any team in any quarter all of 2021 uh, is the Rams 28 to nothing second quarter over the Giants. And that, of course, propels them to the victory. It's nothing else really mattered outside of that second quarter, uh, able to just pile on thanks to making the most of opportunities because of mistakes by Daniel Jones. But the offense did not take advantage of opportunities in the first half, especially two sacks on third down putting the Rams out of field goal range, uh, forcing punt opportunities. One of those was a fake that then was called back. But overall, Sean McVay upset with the team after the game, not because of the 28 to nothing, not because uh, of winning by 25 points, not because of allowing a late touchdown, but because of how that offense was playing for the first half and starting out the game, you know, this was a team that last year, the, the narrative for a lot of the games was, wow, the Rams always get off to a good start. They score touchdowns early, but then things sputter out. And, you know, the narrative is, oh, once the Rams go off script, they can't score. Sean McVay is saying there is no such thing as this script that you guys are inventing uh, and how it affects us. But no doubt that the Rams did struggle to keep things going last year. And that's why they weren't that effective uh, when it came to playing the, the best teams and getting a deep playoff run going. But this year, the Rams face a team like the Giants and blow them out in the way that you would expect a championship caliber team to blow out another team. And then next week, it'll be the Detroit Lions. But Blaine, what was your main takeaway here from the game? Because Sean McVay calls out the offense, and yet uh, Cooper Cup uh, has a performance that for the third or fourth time this season makes you think that Cooper Cup is one of the top three or four receivers in the NFL and that the Stafford to Cup connection might be the best quarterback to receiver connection in the NFL. So offensively or uh, defensively, what do you think is the most important thing that you saw today? Uh, well, first, offensively, yeah, it's great to have, you know, this kind of coach who maybe can see a bit more than we can uh, when matched up against, you know, this this kind of team with this kind of record in this kind of shape, given all the injuries. 
Um, uh, and so I think uh, it's good. We should raise the bar and keep it high so that we're ready for the more competitive teams on offense. Uh, but like you said, you know, to, to just the fan or the spectator, it's, it's fun to watch. We, you know, we still had four touchdowns from Matthew Stafford, two from Cooper Cup, two from Daryl Henderson. So that's a lot of fun to watch. It, it, it's productive. Uh, but I think the uh, overwhelmingly the defense. So it's nice to have a week where we can talk positively about the defense, maybe specifically Taylor Rapp with two interceptions. Great to have his name come up in a positive light. Yeah, and you aren't wrong that the defense had the type of day that a lot of fans were hoping for in terms of, and Sean McVay and Raheem Morris and everybody were hoping for in terms of like, yeah, great. Facing an NFL team, the Rams allowed three points up until meaningless garbage time. And that's all that matters uh, in the grand scheme of things is, hey, the defense knows that Taylor Rapp, he goes from three career interceptions to five career interceptions. And, uh, you know, Leonard Floyd gets a little bit of action today. And Robert Rochelle gets his first career pick. And, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, takeaways. Terrell Lewis has a third sack in three games. Uh, but overall, is there a worse offense in the NFL than the, the New York Giants? I think I might even have Davis Mills ranked ahead of Daniel Jones at this point. He goes 29 to 51, 242 yards. So the yards are meaningless. He had 51 attempts. So it's 4.7 yards per target, uh, per pass attempt, three interceptions, four sacks. He fumbles. He's always had a problem. He had two fumbles today. He's always had a problem with fumbles. Now he also had a problem with interceptions last week. I'm talking to the giants blog. He's telling me Daniel Jones franchise quarterback. This isn't the problem at all. Did you think that Daniel Jones was a problem today or, you know, and, or is it that the Rams defense had a good day? Obviously New York's shorthanded receivers out. Kadarius Tony leaves the game early. Uh, Kenny Galladay is inactive. uh, Darius Slayton is inactive. Obviously the giants, you know, don't have a lot to work with, but I mean, this was like one of the worst offenses I've seen all year. Is it not? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, we like to give Taylor Rapp credit for what he did, but at the same time, you know, I think uh, Daniel Jones helped him out a, a great deal, uh, telegraphing some throws, maybe, you know, not not progressing when he should. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't see a whole lot as far as um, a franchise quarterback caliber play from Daniel Jones, making it easy on our defense. Yeah, it's uh, the type of thing that I saw all around the NFL, I think, on Sunday morning. And it's really it's every week, which is just that no matter what you attempt to do as an organization, there aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. There might only be 13, 14, 15 of them that you would be happy with starting every week. And that might even be a high number. I don't know. Other, a lot of the other, if we're taking half of the league, maybe half of that half are guys that teams are acceptably okay with sucking. You know, it's like, if you're Justin Field, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, uh, Trey Lance, any of the rookies, Davis Mills, you know, you're okay with them not being good quarterbacks because you know that, or at least you hope that down the line, they will be good quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, you know, is in his third year now and uh, the Rams can look around and say like, Oh, look, the, you know, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, Matthew Stafford appears to be one of the top five or top, you know, at worst top eight, in my opinion, in uh, Greg Rosenthal's opinion at NFL.com, he had him ranked 12th. I'm not calling out Greg, but if you're going to post that he ranked 12th, 
of course, it's with some, um, I think, intention to make it look like, or not to make it look like, but it is with some intention or awareness that people are going to say, wow, that's kind of low for a guy that right now might be the MVP if it weren't for Kyler Murray, who, as I write this, or as I speak this, I should say, uh, the Cardinals are up 20 to six or seven here, it looks like, on the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, it's such a big difference when you have that player at quarterback and for the Rams, it's Matthew Stafford because they traded two first round picks and Jared Goff to go out and get him all the other teams that changed quarterbacks this year or within the last couple of years, for the most part are in dire straits situations at quarterback, but the Rams are, are well off. Um, Blaine, where does this sort of reset your expectations? Maybe even from a couple of years ago, do you, do you remember say six or seven games into the 2018 season, you know, that was a Super Bowl team. Do you feel like the expectations right now have to be higher? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, uh, like I said, this is going to be a nice little stretch here where we'll get to, you know, fully calibrate. Uh, we'll get to see our offense at clicking at its best, like it should be. Um, we should see the kind of domination that we saw today. Um, but then, uh, but then after that, you know, I, you know, we'll see what Tennessee looks like by the time we get there, what, three weeks, three weeks down the road. And then, and then the 49ers will look like it will be our next sort of maybe our real next good test. Yeah. Um, Cardinals again. Yeah. Uh, it's really fascinating to think about where the Rams could be if they play this well against bad teams, because the lions and Texans. Texans, as you say, are up next and the Titans, you know, we know that they have talent. We know that they've made playoff runs in the last two years or gotten to the playoffs and and gotten done pretty well at times. But at the same time, we haven't seen them play that well this year and the 49ers kind of in the same boat. It could be the Packers after the bye week in week 12 uh, before the Rams really feel like they're being tested the most. Mm -hmm. And that would also mean that if they get to that point, winning all the games that they should win they wouldn't just be nine and one at that point they would also be five and oh on the road and that would mean a lot i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but the lions are oh and six the texans are one and five and they shouldn't i mean that that one win was one of the worst things i think that's ever happened to houston (laughs) they don't want that um where do you think you're the Rams are at right now. I guess that, you know, you know, when you lose to the Cardinals and the Cardinals are undefeated, you can't put yourself over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I'm thinking at worst, you know, we, we split with the Niners. Let's get one against those guys. We get the Cardinals back. So we, we split against them. And then, uh, and then maybe, maybe we, maybe we lose to the Packers. The Ravens are going to be, looks like they're yeah. going to be tough. Um, but still we should be 13, 14 wins and, um, and be, you know, in the, in the playoffs with Arizona, probably. Yeah. If you're looking at third, let's say that you're looking at 14 and three, like the best, let's say like in a really great case scenario, the Rams are 14 and three, you know, this is a new world of 17 games right now. The bucks are five and one because they already won on Thursday night. Uh, the Cardinals, as you say, are five and zero, oh, and right now, they're up 21 to seven. So it's, they could get to six and oh, uh, the, the Cowboys are four and one right now. They're trailing the Patriots as I speak. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you got the Packers at four and one. Um, and when I look at, 
uh, the Packers are five and one, excuse me, because they did beat the Bears today. So when you look at that, you would say, okay, if a team is five and one and uh, the number one seed in the NFC, let's say if the Rams are 14 and three, uh, a five and one team could go, you know, nine and two, uh, a six and O team uh, like the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals at that point would only kind of need to go uh, eight and O or excuse me, eight and two down the, down the stretch in their final 10 games. Uh, it leaves a very thin margin of error for the Rams. Do you feel like the errors that you saw today from LA, those third down failures, uh, some of the mistakes, a couple penalties, do you feel like the Rams are coming out of this game with stuff to work on and what do they need to work on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, um, the first thing is hopefully uh, our, our defense, Darius Williams comes back. So, you know, when we are up against a, you know, a offense with the, with the, that's firing on all cylinders that have, has all their guys will we'll be, we'll be ready for it. I'm not sure, you know, if, if Robert Rochelle, Dante Dion is good to see him on the field, but I'm not sure if those guys are going to be able to, you know, cover the, uh, the better receivers in the league that we have coming up. Uh, on the offense, I think I think you know these like I said, it's a couple of nice stretch to get us get us calibrated. It's still a little early in the, early in the season uh, for us to sort of fine tune what we're doing. I'd like to see Robert Woods uh, continue to be involved. Uh, nice of him to the to do what he did last week, uh, but this week we're back to two receptions. Uh, he got a touchdown, but I think we got to keep him around five or six touches a game at least uh, to keep uh, our attack diverse and dynamic. Um, so that these uh, Packers and 49ers have to guard more of our more of our set. Yeah, Cooper Cup catches nine passes for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Cooper Cup is over 650 yards. He's got six touchdowns. It's been six games. He's through week six. I went back. I looked at how many players had 600 yards and uh, excuse me, has seven touchdowns now. How many players had 600 yards and six touchdowns through six games? And that was a very short list that had Randy Moss and Wes Welker during their uh, Patriots, some of their Patriots seasons, uh, one each. And, you know, it was pretty much all a uh, very good player. I mean, Chris Godwin in 2019 with the Bucks, And then if you go all the way back uh, to 1990, it was just those five and then Cooper Cup. And the only players to have 600 yards and seven touchdowns were Cooper Cup and Randy Moss with the 2007 Patriots, which of course was a seven, a 16 and 0 team uh, that set a bunch of scoring records early on in the year um, and is considered maybe the greatest team of all time to not win the Super Bowl. And then if you go back to 1989, you find Jerry Rice and the San Francisco 49ers did win the Super Bowl that year. So if you do have a productive QB yeah. to wide receiver relationship, it does seem to be an indicator of good things happening. You've been watching Cooper cup for his entire career week in and week out. Is this a different Cooper cup or is this just a invigorated and uh, sort of switched on Cooper cup with a better quarterback? I think that last part is is the truest. Where this is Cooper Cup uh, with with his new quarterback, giving him more opportunities uh, downfield. You know when he's when he's not the when he's not the first progression. You know he's getting there. You know uh, we saw another 
uh, no look pass. Stafford is just elite when it comes to, first of all, knowing what the defense is going to do ahead of time, giving his mm-hmm. film study, but then also manipulating um, uh, on the fly during the play. All those things are giving more opportunity to Cooper Cup, who, you know, every year takes a step up in his individual skills. So all that coming together. But I got to say, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's it's the Stafford effect. Yeah, it's uh, changing everything uh, in ways that, uh, you know, I would say that I, I definitely was on board of I think the Rams are going to be much better offensively with Matthew Stafford. But this is now really his uh, third or fourth game where, you know, he's posting some of the best statistical performances of his entire career. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a better Matthew Stafford than what we ever saw with the lions. And it's a better quarterback for the Rams than we've seen since Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. So it does feel to be a very uh, positive situation right now. And mm-hmm. even if it's only the New York giants, well, if the lions and the Texans are on deck, then just make it three in a row where, you know, the Rams are blowing out everybody and, and getting uh, some very valuable wins in what is expected to be a very tight NFC race for that number one seed, the only team that gets a bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that with Cooper Cup. As you mentioned, Robert Woods only had two catches. He was targeted five times. He only had two catches for 31 yards and a touchdown after his very productive game. Uh, this game, as you said, it wasn't. And Van Jefferson, uh, three catches for 19 yards. So, you know, whether we know that Robert Woods is very good, we know that Robert Woods can be the number one receiver on any given day and maybe the best receiver on the entire field. Um, but we also know that, uh, the, this season Cooper cups consistently putting up numbers and Robert Woods is not, we also know that Van Jefferson is not, and that might be fine. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was targeted one time for six yards. Um, so though all the other players on LA's offense, uh, just seem to rotate who will have a good a week and who won't, but Cooper cup consistently showing up Tyler Higby was targeted five times and he caught five of those for 36 yards and Johnny Munt left the game and he did not return. And Sean McVay said after the game that Johnny Munt, he just didn't sound good. So uh, we can almost certainly from that reaction, expect Johnny Munt to be out next week, if not on injured reserve. And that means that Bryson Hopkins, who's been a healthy scratch every week, pretty much since he's entered the NFL would either be activated next week, or we're going to find out that Bryson Hopkins might not be a fit for the Rams, because if you're not active a season and a half into your career as a tight end, who, you know, this isn't Jacob Harris. This wasn't a project who needed to learn how to play tight end. Uh, Presumably he'd been playing tight end uh, uh, Bryson Hopkins at Purdue year in and year out. Presumably he's been getting blocking coaching from his dad since he was born Mm -hmm. so if if bryson hopkins cannot get in as a blocking tight end Mm -hmm. to replace johnny munt uh then i don't know what johnny uh bryson hopkins future really is because it's not like you're asking him to catch any passes tyler higby's not even really doing that much uh in the receiving game this season so um any thoughts there on the injury to johnny munt yeah, I just think that Johnny Mund is is a big loss because he has been, you know, he has been showing up in, in the in the running game as a reliable blocker, um, especially in the last couple of games. Uh, him and Tyler Higby have contributed big time to the run game. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how we feel that hole. But uh, yeah, I think the first take is that it's a you know big loss there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other injuries: Jake Funk 
left the game early. He had the opening kickoff and then he left and it was a hamstring. It was a hamstring. Of course, Jake Funk had some massive injuries at Maryland with his knee and his ACL uh, Maryland. I don't know how many people from Maryland like to hear it say Maryland. I don't know. It's very weird how I just heard it in my head, but Jake Funk left. And that means uh, potentially needing a kickoff returner and a little bit of depth at running back Daryl Henderson, 21 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown, but he also had a 25 yard touchdown reception. Uh, he scored two touchdowns on the day. I know fantasy football uh, enthusiasts must care about this. I, I don't participate really in fantasy football. I, I participate in the, I don't participate in the real thing, but I watch the real thing. And I think Joe Henderson's uh, the way he's cutting the way he's out there creating yards, finally making plays uh, seems like a different, Running back to me, at least. What was your evaluation of Henderson today? Yeah, nice, nice body of work. Um, you know, he's, you know, he, you can see that he's taken on the, uh, you know, the lead back load as far as how many carries he had, uh, and he looked great. You know, nice, nice, patient running. Uh, but I think uh, for Henderson, I was most impressed with his uh, with his route on on his touchdown catch. Uh, nice route. That's uh, again also one of the nicest balls that I've seen um, Matthew Stafford throw. But right on point and great catch by Henderson. Uh, Sony Michelle also looked good out there um, with his carries. I think averaging over four yards a carry. Yeah, yeah. Sony Michelle coming out for nine carries, forty-two yards. And uh, moving on to the defense, you mentioned Robert Rochelle, Dante Dion, uh, Robert Rochelle, five tackles and a pass breakup. He left the game with an injury, but came back and Dante Dion, four tackles getting activated this week because of all the injuries. David Long not coming onto the field as far as I could tell. I mean, he may have been a few times, but not as far as I could tell, it isn't called out for it until Rochelle left for a, a, a short moment. Um, but overall, just looking for that help without Darius Williams in the secondary, someone to support Jalen Ramsey, uh, Rochelle and Dion being out there. Are you comfortable with uh, seeing more of Dante Dion? Uh, not, not <laughs> completely comfortable, right? I mean, I think yeah. uh, that first quarter we saw what, Kadarius Tony getting, you know, getting warmed up. So that the first drive, uh, number one, we, you know, we didn't see Jalen Ramsey on Tony. Like I think a lot of people were hoping for, uh, it was Rochelle and, uh, and he got off to catching his first three targets and, you know, a couple of first downs, um, on Rochelle. Uh, so I think, you know, the jury's still out on, you know, who's going to fill in and who's going to be the sort of the third reliable back after Ramsey and, and Williams. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and overall, uh, Agbania Okoronkwo with a sack. You said Terrell Lewis with a sack, uh, Leonard Floyd with a sack and a half, Aaron Donald was shared in that sack, mm -hmm. and Aaron Donald definitely was impacting and affecting uh, the game even more so outside of that. Uh, and we saw Ernest Jones get onto the field for five tackles um, as well. Uh, and Jameer Jones, uh, the linebacker, he got on the defense a little bit. Would you give any uh, notes there to the linebackers and uh, to Sean McVay or Raheem Morris on how to use the linebackers moving forward? Uh, well, it's good to see Terrell Lewis and, and Oboe uh, getting some action again, uh, trying to fill in for Justin Hollins, who everybody's really excited about and who got off to a hot start. So, you know, it might be a combined effort from those two that are going to, you know, get a get a sack in there and be mm -hmm. making 
he plays. Uh, but uh, yeah, encouraged from what we're seeing out of those guys. And uh, I, this also just reminds me, looking at the other side of the ball, there. Um, you know, we I mentioned the poor offensive maybe performance in terms of getting sacked or you know that first sack on third down seemed to be a good coverage sack you know Stafford you just anybody that holds the ball back there for you know three four seconds and doesn't have a receiver and can't really get out of the pocket you know it's going to happen so maybe there's some problems with people getting open on that play overall though you know that if the offensive line was facing a pretty decent defensive line uh, mm-hmm. with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence um, and Aziz Ojulari, the rookie for the Giants who had had a few sacks or a couple sacks going into the week um, as an edge rusher that uh, New York is really looking for. He didn't have any sacks. Uh, performance of the offensive line. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think they kind of tuned it up after that first after that first quarter. I mean, like you said, both sacks were uh, in the first quarter uh, where, you know, it seemed like the whole offense kind of getting getting it together. Uh, but after that, you know, after that, uh, we saw uh, that's when the offense heated up again. Uh, four touchdowns means that we had a lot of time to get the ball off and uh, over 130 yards rushing. So after the first quarter, then it started to look like, you know, the offensive line that we've seen over the last couple of games that we're going to need against the better teams. And special teams, uh, a few things to highlight. I think Ben Skournick didn't just catch that first down uh, would be if it wasn't for the callback. He had a couple of tackles. Uh, I see Ben Skournick as a guy who has a seventh round pick who was pulled in, you know, technically as a wide receiver but not really having any opportunities or shot to see the field offensively as a wide receiver, unless there were a number too many, a devastating number of injuries, uh, which we don't want to see that this year, maybe in the future, who knows what he can do, but it seems like Ben Skournick's name is going to be called on special teams week in and week out. I don't know what to add to that, but for, for the Rams to get anybody in the seventh round who, you know, he broke his arm uh, or whatever, and then, you know, goes on IR or just goes off and comes, he doesn't miss any time. He's here doing special teams. It's more than we can say for a few other of the rookies and players drafted recently. Um, I, I just feel like uh, positive, I guess, feelings for the seventh round rookie who, who didn't really get a lot of, uh, I want to say credit or just a lot of attention for whether or not he could have an impact on the impact on this team. But special teams wise, it does seem to me like like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean that uh, that um, that 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 punt fake man. Uh, if we'd have got that, that would have been big time. And so uh, how upset we were with that penalty. Uh, but it was fun to watch. Uh, I did notice though uh, Ben Skaronek. Uh, getting in uh, on the offense, uh, maybe that first drive of the second half. It might just be that one snap and that one play, but I noticed that he was in the in the offense at least for that one snap, and yeah. that's before you know that's before Tutu Atwell. Uh, so yeah, I true. think um, he might be in the plans. That's true. I mean, what exactly? That's why I was just thinking at the end where they pull Matthew Stafford and they put, and they're pulling Andrew Whitworth and they're pulling this, a couple of guys to get some other guys in there. You just think, okay, is this a time where you give Tutu Atwell a target? Or is this the time when you give Jacob Harris a target? And uh, the answer was no, but what are you going to do? You know, just get out of there. John Wolford was intercepted. He only had two attempts. So you don't really want to uh, test it much more than that. And so today's not the day that we see at Will or Harris offensively. And uh, it, 
probably not going to see them pretty much all year. So uh, that would be a good thing for the most part. And uh, today wasn't that day. Uh, Johnny Hecker punted four times and every punt went inside the 20 yard line. Uh, Matt Gay, five of five on extra points uh, and made his field goal attempt. So Matt Gay, it was overall a very good day on special teams. Tutu Atwell had a 17 yard punt return. So I think special teams gets a good mark. Overall, everybody pretty much gets a good mark in week six and the Rams improve to five and one. There will be things that Sean McVay says, Hey, if you're going to screw up against the giants and be down three, nothing in the first quarter against the giants, a team that is probably going to pick in the top five next year, then how can the Rams feel like a team that's going to uh, feel better about the way that they got handled by Arizona. So I think that's where Sean McVay is like, Hey, I'm sitting here at the end of the first quarter feeling like, damn it, what's going on? I got so much more talent than the other team. Why isn't this working easier? He's going to be worried when he faces tougher teams and the Rams, you know, you could almost argue, you know, not a trap game, but is this a trap month? Is this a trap stretch where you just say all these games against teams that look awful and terrible. The Texans don't seem to want to win. I think the lions, the players and the coaches want to win, but you know, everyone else is like, yeah, but we're pulling in and no, please don't win. You know, mm-hmm. Detroit doesn't want to win. The Houston doesn't want to win. And the Rams, if they go three, four, five games in a row, not playing a good team. And then all of a sudden you're facing Aaron Rodgers in a month and a half in green Bay. It's gotta be like uh, being sober for a yeah. decade. And then all of a sudden you just get hammered. <laughs> Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Well, it started to remind me of uh, last season, week 15, uh, we played the New York Jets, who I think were winless at the time. Yeah. And uh, and that wasn't, you know, that's not a good memory, that game <laughs> where we gave them, I think, their first win. It started to feel like that in the first quarter. So uh, on a positive note, good to see us pull out of that and not repeat that type of performance. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, here at the end of the uh, second quarter, Baker Mayfield throws a Hail Mary touchdown to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones to cut the Cardinals lead to 23-14. So not all is uh, potentially lost here in terms of hoping for Arizona to take a loss. Um, But the important thing is the Rams got a victory, moved to five and one. Uh, They have scored 179 points this season with 127 allowed. And getting a, a victory and, and moving ahead of the Giants for today is not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. But really, the Rams are probably eagerly ante- anticipating a good team again uh, to really test their mettle against some better players because Daniel Jones uh, is just sort of like a goody giveaway he's giving away goodies to anybody that wants them and today it was the rams and they got them and they moved to five and one uh blaine give everyone out there your your final thoughts as we wait a week until jared goff's return yeah we saw the uh the blowout that we were supposed to see after a little warm-up uh so i think you you got it right the idea is to stay tuned up for some tougher challenges although i think next week uh, Detroit comes in uh, with not a winning record, but it's going to have a little bit of a different feel with the Jared Goff's homecoming. So we'll stay tuned up and look for another big show from both sides in SoFi next week. 
Yeah. Uh, just looking at it now, the uh, Rams have scored the, you know, not everybody's played a game yet, but the Rams have scored the second most points in the NFC and the Lions have allowed the second most points. Uh, mm-hmm. So could the Rams score a lot of points? Maybe. Mm-hmm. As you say, though, you know, the Lions are, and I've seen the Lions play every week. You'd be surprised how competitive they can be at times, but always finding a way to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and really not that talented, and especially not as talented as the Rams. But every game, uh, as you pointed out against the Jets last year, every game is up in the air until it is over. And today's is over. That's it for this episode of Turf Show Times Radio, the podcast. Please be subscribed. Wait for this week's preview of the Titans. I'm sure, uh, excuse me, of the Lions. And I'm sure we'll have uh, an episode here of focus somewhat on Jared Goff midweek. And then the last minute thoughts podcast with Robin JB every Saturday or every day, just before the game of the Rams. So that's it. Rams 38 and they defeat the giants who scored 11 and that's it for this episode. Come back next time for a brand new episode.